Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed to you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for three years... I did not stop warning you, each of you, with tears. Now, I commit to you, to God, and to the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who were with me. In every way, I have shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to help in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone, and they embraced Paul, kissing him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see him face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. Father, thank you. This morning again for the privilege we have to be here this beautiful Lord's Day, the Sabbath day. God, I pray this morning you would hedge this building, these grounds with your protective angels, that you would purge anything or one that would not desire to glorify and honor you. Father, we are not here to build personal kingdoms, Lord. We are here to build the kingdom, the kingdom universal. It is your kingdom, Lord, and we are so thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid a debt of sin we could never pay, so that right this very moment we can enter your presence as followers of Jesus Christ and stand vindicated and righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's been given to us as his children. Father, I pray that your word today would be burned in hearts, not only in this building, but all over the globe, that men, women, boys, and girls would hear the gospel truth, that the Spirit would convict them, help them understand their need for a Savior, and that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much again for all that you are doing, all you've done, and all that you are going to do. We commit all this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Paul's kind of given them this warning. I guess you call it warning. In verse 28 through 31 again, be on guard, interesting, for yourselves and for the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I did not stop warning each of you with tears. First thing I'm going to share with you this morning is this. Always be alert and aware of the adversary and his desire to destroy using anything and anyone. Always be alert, always be aware. 
So Paul was reiterating for three years this danger of wolves that were going to come in, not only from outside, you see the external threat he's mentioning, but then he says they will rise up from among you. It's ironic that this day and time, as you hear me talk about the church universal, when I talk about the church universal, I'm talking about we are one in Christ with a person today who speaks some language in some indigenous tribe somewhere today who's worshiping the Lord. We are worshiping with them. Though we're not physically with them, we worship together in a universal sense, spiritually. We are lifting up a sacrifice of praise. The Lord is coming back for the what of Christ? The bride. Does that speak in plurality or is it speaking in singular? The singular bride of Christ is singular but made up of many. So therefore it is referenced in singular because he's not coming back for the brides of Christ. He's coming back for the bride, singular. So, people who claim to be born-again followers of Jesus Christ as God's word as their guide are now claiming that things the Lord spoke exclusively to not being a part of his purpose and plan, they are rising up with doctrines. The scripture actually even says doctrines of demons. Because if you or I stand back and then try to say, well, um, God's desire for, for uh, his, his people and his purpose back then was this because they didn't have a lot of people. And they needed to increase in number, but now that we've got this overpopulation that people talk about, now that's why it's okay to do X. Listen, you might find somebody that doesn't know their head from their feet, and I might not be the wisest or the sharpest tool in the shed, but brothers and sisters, I am by no means dumb. You might get somebody else that doesn't know their left and their right foot, don't know whether they're coming or going, to buy into that, you won't get me to. Because I know what the scripture says. And I'll tell you one thing, I sure enough aren't going to listen to a fallible man instead of the infallible word of God. Because the infallible word of God stood the test of time. Man, don't trust anything that comes out of their mouth if it's not in line with God's word. Don't ever forget that. If it doesn't line up with God's word, you rebuke it, you part fellowship if you have to because... God's truth is God's truth. It's the same yesterday, now, today, and forever. So if you want to know what the person of God will be a thousand years from now, all you've got to do is read his word because God won't change. God's not going to socially adapt. Can you imagine if God was like that? Can you imagine waking up if you were in a religion that dealt in the principles of abrogation? Now, what abrogation is, is just for argument's sake, let's just say um, uh, we started religion, you know, a thousand years ago, and today I was voted as, you know, their top, you know, poobah, whatever it is, the, the supreme, whatever he is, and, you know, I get this holy revelation that X, and I issue that decree to the people, and then that, by the way, if there's anything in that that null and voids anything that was before that, that null and voids it, this is the new 
abrogation, the new revelation to the people. There's people in religions right now, I know for a fact, that deal in that abrogation format. So they never know what's going to change any given week, not year, day, it doesn't matter. That would be very disconcerting to me because I like something that is steadfast, that's concrete. I don't like when you, this is what I do know about people, man. They flip and they flop. I can assure you, I see that every day. You see it in everything that you could imagine. They love it with politicians. Oh, this one promised to give me this, so I'm going to go with this one. We don't look at core issues. No. What do they say today? They're going to give me lots of money, so I'll follow that guy. And then, oh, well, this, then I got this guy. And they're just flopping back and forth like a bunch of fish sitting out on, the, on the, a hot day at the lake when you set one down. They start flopping. That is not a God that I would have any desire to serve. And that is one of the things that I love about our God is he does not change. That is one of the fundamental principles that gives me a peace in the midst of very unpeaceful and turbulent times as we are experiencing right now, not only culturally, but also on a worldwide format. I'm very thankful though today that I can be alert, I can be aware of the adversary, because what do I have to be alert and aware of? If we did abrogation, you'd have to find out what the most recent revelation was so you could deal with that. I don't have to worry about that because we have the revelation. We have God's word. So I know exactly what scripture here and Paul's admonishment to all of us to watch is just as relevant right now as the moment he gave it to the people. And that's encouraging. That's, that's exciting to me. I hope it is to you. See, the enemy wants to use anything or anyone to, to do or to begin this process of unwinding everything that we are. He wants to use the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Did God really say when your wife runs her mouth too much, your husband runs his mouth too much, you can't run out the door because you're sick and tired of hearing him or her? Because you know, God wants us happy, right? Everybody tells me that. God wants us happy in Jesus, in our purpose and plan, and his created desire for us. You're commanded to do what he's commanded you to do, just like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And by the way, that tells you right there you can't run out the door when you want to. Because what did Christ do? He died for a reprobate. Reprobate bride, amen? All of us, broken. Broken by the sin of Adam. Broken. What did he do, though? He loved in spite of us. Look at the picture of Hosea with Gomer. That is the love that God is commanding us as husbands to love and wives with. That is the call of a disciple. Whether we like it or not, it's not about what it feels like because, by the way, love has nothing to do with a feeling in the first place. But it has everything to do with commitment. And that is the commitment that Jesus Christ demonstrated to us. Amen? Obedient unto death, even death on a cross. What do we see in the Garden of Eden as he's, what is he doing? Sweating, tears of blood. We got blood. This is the anguish that Jesus is under. What does he say, Lord, if this cup can pass, can it? But not my will, but yours be done. Meaning, I'm going to do what you've commanded, you've called, and you, you have ordained me to do as your son, 
But if there's anything that this can pass, because you don't think Jesus was well aware of what was coming, he was well aware. But he loved us that much. And this morning, remember, the deception that the enemy wants us to get bound in under is, it doesn't much matter. It's not a big deal. He wants us complacent. He wants us apathetic. He wants us to think that it's, you know, church is just kind of the icing on the cake of things. Everything else will fall into place. No, this is a vital blessing God gave us. We need one another. There's not a per listen, if Jesus doesn't come back, let me give you a reality right now, all right? This is kind of, this is a little bit uh, unnerving, really, if you think about it. There's someone in this building right now, if Jesus doesn't come back, that'll be the last one that ever lives in this building one day. You're going to be the last, ready, last man standing. Never seen that, but I've heard a, a thing for it. You'll be the last one standing, someone in this building. Can you imagine if Jesus isn't everything? Can you imagine after you outlive everybody you know, all your family, all your friends, you know no one but your new friends, meaning those who it most likely will be much younger than you, who you will have had some relationship with, but it won't be like these people that you've known for decades. Can you imagine what it will be like if you live that long and Christ has not been preeminent, number one in your life? Can you imagine the staggering amount of loneliness that you will experience and the feeling of being completely out of place? But see, it's going to happen to someone in here if Jesus doesn't come back. How do you prepare for that? You be bananas for Jesus. You live every day like it's your last day and you fall incredibly in love with the one that you know will never leave you and never forsake you because that's a promise people can't give you. They might say that, I'm going to love you forever. Well, that's fine and all, but somebody's going to be left standing. There's going to be a last man standing, and I don't want to be standing here with your promises after you've left. I know they didn't choose to abandon you in most cases, but that's going to happen. And after that does, I want someone that will stand the test of time, and that's Jesus. Because as you get older, you realize the younger people, you get kind of out of touch with them. I'm watching things right now and, you know, to, to do things in nursing. And I'm like, these younger people can get this quick, but I don't get it that quick. It's, it's two months and I can't remember a door code. Got 900 of them, but they all know these door codes. And I'm just now starting to remember the door codes after 60 days. And I realize I'm not as sharp as I used to be. And it's gonna, I understand that's life. It's going to happen. The old memory doesn't work like it did. And the only thing that will happen the older I get is the more... My recognition of that chasm is going to change. You know what I also realized? Physical. You know, I can't jump and I can't do a lot of the things that I used to do. And, you know, you got to be real careful because you bend over in the morning. You got to be careful because sometimes if you're not careful, your equilibrium get off and you fall on the ground. But it's that time in life when you start to realize that, hey, this thing called aging is happening whether you like it or not. I remember as a kid thinking, I'm not going to get old, man. I'm just going to power through it. Good luck. You just go on and power right on through it. Yeah, see how that works out for you. But this is what I do know. Be alert, be aware of the adversary is desired to destroy. He wants to use anything or anyone. I want what will stand the test of time. And church, I pray that this morning that's your heart's passion, that's your desire. Listen to verse 32 through 35 again. So now I commit to you, to God, to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up, and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. 
I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who were with me. In every way I've shown you that laboring like this, it's necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, for he said it is blessed to give than to receive. And the second thing I want to share with you this morning comes from those verses, and it is this. Live as a disciple who is faithful with and in everything. Everything we've been given, we will give an account for. Are you being faithful with what God's entrusted you with? Or are you sitting back saying, you know, if I only, if God only, you know, the old proverbial, if I only had more, uh, I would be happy and I'd be content. What do I say? Week in and week out. If you're not content with the little you have, you'll never find out what it's like to have a lot, but you won't be happy if God did give it to you because where contentment starts is where you're at right now. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Doesn't matter, well, my wife and my husband, if my kids would only X, then I would be, no. If you would only purpose and choose in your heart of hearts to do what Scripture says, if I remember it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, is it? And all things give, in all things give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's what Scripture says. So either we're going to believe it and we're going to receive it and we're going to live it or we're going to contextualize it. Well, everybody was having a good time back then and that's why they were able to say that. But Paul really wasn't meaning when everything was really going, oh, come on, let's just do what Scripture says. Let's be thankful right now if you're in the deepest valley you've ever had in your life. I will give you something to really encourage you. Choose an attitude of praise, worship, and an attitude of gratitude. And not only that, if you're doing that, you're in a scriptural place of perfect peace, but listen what you also do. Can you imagine what your heart will be when God lifts you up to a mountaintop? Your problems will burst like bubbles. I'm not joking. Because what you're going to have done is you chose to worship God in the midst of the storm. So when you're on a mountaintop, you're going to literally feel like your insides are going to rupture from a joy, elation, and excitement. Because what you did is chose to have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving in the valley. Powerful, isn't it? No matter what weight God may, may lay on you and allow you to endure, if it's because of sin, just say, Lord, I, I deserve it. Confess it. Get out of it and pray that God is gracious. But if God has allowed an enormous weight to be on you, you know why, you, you know why he's done that? Because he saw you able and faithful to entrust you with this valley or mountain. You have been found worthy, as Scripture says, to suffer for the name. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this trial, this tribulation, this thing that maybe you're trying to run from is an avenue with which God will allow you to bring great glory to his name. But are you going to allow that to be what it is? Or are we going to run back to the idols? The idols. The idols of drinking. The idols of escape. I'm running from all of my problems. I want to run from all of my battles. I want to drink myself to sleep because then I have a little bit of peace. You don't have peace. You're going to have a hangover the next morning and all you've done is engaged in the spirits and you're doing an act of insanity thinking that that's going to fix anything is true lunacy. It fixes nothing. It messes you up physically. You saw that new one. I'll send you the whole article if you church want to find out. You know, years ago, we used to use the excuse, well, yeah, my doctor said my kidneys, I've got to drink a beer a day for my kidneys. 
You know, right? Huh? It keeps my blood thin so I don't have to go on medicine. Anybody saw a month ago, I told you about it. Anybody look it up? Where they said there is zero, zero. The studies were flawed. There is zero medicinal benefit to the human body drinking alcohol. Anybody read that? You let me know. I'll send it to you if you want to read it. The studies were very flawed that they tried to excuse away and say, you know, oh, yes, this, yeah, doctor, this. Now they've said no. They actually are, are, they're actually going to be putting a label on it as a carcinogen because of the dangers are so prevalent. I'm not here to beat on alcohol this morning. What I'm here to tell you is if you're looking at ways to escape if you're looking at ways to resurrect idols in your life because of whatever you don't like or whatever you want to do, I'm not going to offer you a pass for that. I'm not your parent. I'm not here to browbeat you into doing what I think you should do. But I want every person in here to live in the abundant life that Jesus Christ died to give you. And you know what I know? I know full well the diversions and distractions that Satan loves us to dwell in, to live in, and to live in. I won't be a part of that because I realize it is a, uh, the law of diminishing returns. You get nothing. You actually get a diminishing return. Nothing. It gets worse and you get less and less. And then ultimately you stand there broken, washed up. I've spent way too many days at U-Turn for Christ in Columbia, South Carolina, Lexington, South Carolina. I've seen too many. I've heard too many. I've seen too many. I've experienced too many in this ministry in 16 years. Not one person, not one, not one, I'm still looking for one, one person that tells me I invited alcohol and addiction into my life and my walk with Jesus has gotten more intense. I spend more time in God's word. God pours out his thoughts to me. I'm a better parent. I'm a better worker. There is nothing in my life that has not been dramatically changed to the good of God's kingdom and for his glory since I invited addiction into my life. I will be glad to get this microphone and turn it on if you're the one that can stand here this morning for the first time in my 48 years of life and prove me wrong. I'll tell you what I can do. I know many of your stories. I can start over here with you wrapping around and I'll fill in the details that you don't even want to share of how it's destructively impacted your families and people in your life that you love. There's a whole lot more here, not here this morning, that I could, there's some here that I can't talk to anymore because they're no longer among us. They've died because of the choices that they made. See, we can be a disciple and we can be faithful to everything and we can be a Paul. We can warn among the wolves. We can warn about those who are going to arise up and try to destroy what God's doing, but I can't force you to listen and be obedient to what God calls us to in respect to how we armor up the armor of God. I reference this continually, church, the full armor of God. It doesn't say the partial armor. What does it say? Put on the what? Put on the full armor of God. And then what does it do? It says that you may stand, that you may extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Scripture talks about the prescription with which victory is obtained, but victory is never obtained, never, not once, in disobedience, ever. That's like you being in the military and your superiors have issued you an order and you don't like it. 
And you say, you know, uh, sir, uh, with all due respect, uh, I don't like what you've told me to do. Would you please give that to somebody else because I am refusing to do that. And then them go, you are setting such an amazing demonstration that we're going to give a letter of commendation to you for your outspokenness. That's never happened. You know what happens? Those of you who have military backgrounds, what happens if you defy a direct order? You can find yourself talking to yourself because you no longer have a place in the service. There are direct implications for actions. It's like the old saying, every action has an equal and an opposite reaction. Do you want to know what the law of harvest is? Scripture actually uses, I think that's pretty much the birthplace, right, of law of harvest. What you sow, that shall you also reap. You want a closer walk with Jesus. Get in his word. Do you want God to hear your heartbeat, your heart, your passion? Get in his word. Listen to what he has to say to your situation. Pour out your heart to him after you have spent time in God's word. Do you want to be a part of a, do you want to wonder why nobody calls you when you've missed a Sunday at Longview Baptist? Well, if you're only here on Sunday morning, we realize you're not here anyways. Meaning there's a lot of people, and I understand if you have work, that's a totally different ball game. I'm talking about people who can be in the fellowship, but just don't. And that again, that's, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just talking about this from a disciple standpoint, because I can never tell you how you're going to be blessed of God if I don't tell you what prevents you from being blessed of God. Now, Brother Jonathan, you're trying to tell me now that my commitment to the fellowship has to do with blessing. Well, Hebrews 10.25, the scriptures. So if we can be in fellowship and you're not, my question is, why would you not want to spend time with God's people? Why would you not want to dwell in his presence together? Why would you not want to get over with a brother or sister in Christ and pour out that prodigal family member you have right now? Why? Do you want to be a disciple in name? Or do you want to live as one? Living as one takes us pouring our heart, our passions, our wants, our wills, our desires at the feet of the Lord and saying, God, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? We're going through uh, experiencing God. It gets raw in there. That, if you've been through that study, it calls every action, every attitude to an account. What is your heart's desire? Do you want to experience God but not show up in his presence? That's an oxymoron, amen? That's lunacy because you cannot experience God if you're not in his presence. If you want to be a part of a music ministry, can you be a part of it if Eddie can't have you here for practice? No. It takes practice and it takes what? Big C word. Commitment. Commitment. Church, the demonstration of commitment is laid out flawlessly in Paul's life. If anything, every one of us could step back and go, whew. But remember, what we do here, church, is short. This is so small. This time in history that we're alive, oh, a hundred years, nothing. It's nothing, church. The kids have a little bubble thing yesterday. These little bubbles are going up. And I was just looking at it as I watched this. And it, it's like a, a volcanic puking of bubbles, just bubbles everywhere. But you know what was the ironic thing about each one of them? It wasn't about four or five, six seconds and gone. To me, our hundred years here is like that, one of those little bubbles. It's nothing. 
The Bible says, but a vapor. I recognize at my age, and I'm really seriously, no, no joke, I've really come to terms with this really a lot in the last couple of years. I'm way over halfway through. I don't know who you are in here if you'd say, you know, that gets me excited. When you start to think about those things, it's, it's sobering. It, it makes you go, woof, you know? You gotta recognize, what am I investing in? What's important? This morning, where, where are you at in this? You might sit there and have a mindset at 80 years old. You're going to live forever. You can think that. That's fine. That's up to you. Again, I'm not going to engage in things that, are, uh, that need you to go sit down with somebody and talk on a couch. Meaning, I'm not going to deal with things that are outflows of issues in here that need to be fixed. I want to be real. And I realize that you senior saints that have told me you haven't seen anything when it comes to how fast things go, the second half... I already know that, and I know how fast the first part went. So I know that I am investing in something that I only have a little bit more time to be faithful. And as that saying says, we have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. I realize that. Church, I realize that the 16 almost years that I've been here at Longview Baptist Church have literally been like a bubble bursting. Nothing. It is gone. And I go, Lord, what happened to the time? It is just the same promise of God's word being fulfilled right in front of us. Live as that disciple who is faithful in everything, church. Be faithful with what God's given you. Don't sit around and live a life of regret, investing in things that have no eternal value at all. These little faces in this church, you want something to invest in? Get involved in BBS. Get involved with Sunday school. Get involved in staying on Sunday afternoons and being ministered to and ministered to others. There's so many things that we can get involved in. If you're busy the rest of the week, get involved on Sunday then. Involve yourself in something that has a tangible return to it, and those things of the Spirit have a tangible return. And then listen to verses 11 and 12. We'll be finished. After he said this, he knelt down, prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone. They embraced Paul, kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. This is what I love. And third and final thing this morning, Michael W. Smith has a song uh, that's actually, I believe it was Michael W. Smith, Friends are friends forever if the Lord's a Lord of them. See, they would not see him physically again, but guess what? They were going to see Paul again. They weren't going to see him, though, in this realm. They would see him in eternity. Church, I say that to encourage you that there's going to be that day when, when we escort each other to the ship. You know what that means? There's going to be a day when you see me or I see you and we never see each other again. Maybe that's the day that that week you have a car accident, you have a heart attack, uh, you, whatever it is, and it's going to be the final goodbye. It's going to happen. And I believe if you're real about yourself, you'll realize how fragile life is. And all around us, it's touched everybody in this church body in the last year in so many different ways, if nothing else, the last three years. Every one of us have had people that we had no clue if you'd have said the year before, if you were to vote on who would not be here now, there's no way they'd have been on the bottom of that list. What does that mean? That means that every one of us needs to live a life ready to go home. Ready to finish the course, finish the race. 
And I want to encourage you not to invest in anything that has no eternal value, meaning live out your created purpose for your life. Retirement, if that's going home and sitting for you, you're going to die early. That's what they, every single study shows. Get involved in something. Go visit people. I know the place where I work. There's a lot of people that have no family, zero. There's no one that comes to see them. One little lady in particular, she's an older lady, and uh, I, I just really love her to death. She's just a precious little woman. And, and I go in there, and I just spend a little bit of time with her. I talk, she talks to me. She told me this week about a time when it rained, and her dad said that the clouds were going to, oh, what they call it? It's like the clouds are going to, what do you call it? You know when, the, when they say the clouds are going to, and you visually as a child, you see it coming apart? Long story short, the crowd, whatever it is, something that sense they're going to burst, and she said, I'll never forget, I, she was only, she said, about four years old, and she's way up. So I listened to this story and stuff, and when I got done, I said, can I do anything else for you? And she said this, well, I guess not, but she said, I know with you not here, I won't get anybody to talk to me and spend time with me like you do. And it resonated with me at that point that there's not many people that have the time to do that, but I know she's got no family. You want somebody to go spend time with? There's about four or five facilities in this county that have people that have been dropped off and have never been seen by their families again. You want to invest in someone? You know what? The people aren't going to be able to see you for 30 years. You might not see them for a couple of years. That might be all they've got left. But what you're doing with them is you're showing them that they're important, that they matter, instead of what's been shown to them. It's so sad that many of the people that I see were once very prominent community leaders in our community have all been relegated to nothing but worthless because they're no longer viable to anyone anymore. Listen, friends are friends forever when the Lord's the Lord of them. And a friend will not say never because the welcome will not end. It's a great song if you've ever, not ever heard it. It's by Michael W. Smith. I'm almost positive. Really, really good song. Friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. What are you investing in this morning, church? Look at Paul, his passion for the kingdom, not fearing death. That was nothing more than a gateway with which true life would begin. I want to challenge each of you to live your greatest life now because we only have one life in this perspective. Once we next one, it's not about living another abundant life. We don't have the trials, the heartaches, the tribulation. All of that is going to give way to the glory of the Lord and the old order of things will be passed away. But right now, we have a lot more that needs to be done. And unless you are so faithfully steadfast in your word and you're sitting there this morning going, Brother Jonathan, you've just hit it nail on the head. I could not right now, if I had even thought about it, find another place where I could get more obedient in the middle of God's will. If that's you, praise God. And I mean that. But I would assume, like myself, that every person in here steps back and goes, there's probably a whole lot that can be changed, if nothing else, heart conditions. And I'm not talking about physical either. I'm talking about spiritual ones that see a Sunday night or a Wednesday night as another hindrance to your ability to do what you want to do or what I want to do. Don't come here for me. Don't come here for me. I hope you come here for Jesus Christ alone. I hope you come here to be a part of God being glorified in your family, in your life. And I hope if you're a parent, you're here as one more extension of showing your children what will stand firm long after death's dew has fallen on our brow. Because it's coming, church. Nobody in here makes that alive. 
But I'm so thankful that we will be able to be transitioned from a place of brokenness, hurt, heartache, and separation to a place devoid of every evil, broken, and messed up thing where God has restored all to the condition that he intended for man to live before sin was invited in. I hope this morning that you'd say, God, I want you to not only show me, God, I want you every, I want to be desperate in every respect, every day, in everything, Lord, for your spirit, your power, your glory to rest upon me like never before. I pray this morning if you have, have been sitting there and feel guilty, don't feel guilty because, oh man, Brother Jonathan just was all over me this morning. No, it don't have nothing to do with Brother Jonathan Church. Please understand that. It has nothing to do with, well, you decided to say that today and now I feel guilty. The only person you can thank for it is the Spirit of the living God. Because the Spirit of the living God is the only one that convicts you and can convict me. Amen? And it's not about what I think. Don't come up and give me an excuse about anything because you won't give one to me one day. You will stand in the presence of Jesus one day. Stand in his presence one day having been faithful. And this morning, if you haven't been, it can start today. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. And let's say you're going to die Thursday and you don't even have a clue. You can run faithfully from this moment till Thursday when you run full speed into God's presence. Amen. And you will have finished the, 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 you will have finished the race faithfully. But if you sit here today and go home and think about all that needs to change, but you know, you'll, you'll get to it. What happens Thursday? You breathe that last breath, wishing you could change what no longer can be changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.